0: How are you all? Good. Good, good. Just get myself organised. Tonight we've, um, it's been great, it kind of, as you're preparing to speak on Good Friday, you're kind of thinking, what, what do you say? Because um, I think what we've done already by coming in and worshipping and by lifting up the name of Jesus, I think that's the most appropriate um, response or the most appropriate action on on Good Friday, and um, I love that we get to do that together. But in my time tonight, we're not gonna we're not gonna preach long. and I'm not gonna go long, but I just want to um, bring us around a few verses tonight and, and concentrate in on, on what we're talking about when it comes to Easter. And um, I love that song. Who enjoyed that song? Yeah, who, who wishes they could sing it like that? I love. Um, actually. Um, love that song. I also love the one we did just before communion, "Amazing Grace," which everyone everyone loves. "Amazing Grace." And you know, today I was actually listening. Um, I typed in "Amazing Grace" into iTunes, and amazing all the different people that have sung it. So I listened to Elvis Presley singing it, and then I listened to Matt Corby sing it, and then I listened to uh, who's that lady that won Britain's Got Talent? Susan Boyle. I don't know what her sang it, and then I had a, 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 like a. Celtic choir sing it. And it was like all these different people had sung it. And then tonight I got to hear Jack Williams sing it. So there you go. i got another version of it as well. But we love that song and we love, um, we are reminded of the love of God. And the words from that song that we just sung said this, there's a love so high that you cannot get over. That same love is so wide it'll take forever just to get around it. And then it says, and love laid down his life. And really that is the essence of what today is about, isn't it? That love laid down his life. The love that is sung about is the love that God has for you and I. And at Easter and the cross reminds us of how much God loved us. The cross reminds us that God not only just loves us in word but loved us in action. Because he demonstrated his love for you and he demonstrated his love for me by giving us his son, not just for his life, but that he would lay down his life, that he would sacrifice his life for you and I. And Easter, we are reminded of that love. We are reminded and we are shown what real love is. We talk about love a bit. We say, oh, I, love that, that, I love that chocolate. That Easter egg is my favorite Easter egg. I love that chocolate that someone gave to Sonny tonight that's sitting under his seat and I cannot wait till he shares it with me. And I love that. Or then we might talk, oh, I love, do you love the way this looks? Or I love this weather. I love this time of the year. But when we're talking about the love that we're talking about at Easter, we're talking about what real love is. And 1 John 4 verse 9 to 10 says these words. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now elsewhere in 1 John 3, it says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So at Easter, we are reminded what real love is. Not superficial love, not fleeting love, not love that lasts for a moment and then is gone, but real love, love that would be prepared to lay down and sacrifice a life. To surrender your life for someone has got to be the greatest act of love for anyone. And that is what Jesus did for you and what he did for me. And on Good Friday, we are reminded of that truth. We are reminded of that fact that Jesus gave his life for you and he gave his life for me. And that was the demonstration of the greatest love of all. But the next line in both of these verses tells us something very important. Tells us not that we're just to know of this love. We're not just to experience this love, but we're actually supposed to do something with this love. It tells us this in the next few lines of both of these verses. In 1 John 4 verses 9 to 11. We just read 9 and 10, but let me read verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. And in 1 John 3.16, which we just read, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And really, that's what the whole message of Easter is about. Not just a demonstration of God's love, not just a thing to say, hey, I want you to know what this real love is, but it's actually also a reminder and a call to put that love into practice in your own life. Yes, I am a great recipient of the love of God, but I don't just want to be a taker. I don't just want to be someone that has received the love of God. I want to be someone that demonstrates the love of God. And that's what we are called to do, not just to receive it, not just to know about it, not just to experience it, but to actually demonstrate it in our life. And it says this, we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. This week I, um, I did a bit of research, which means I went to Google. <laughs> and I Googled people over history that have done just what this verse talks about. That is, they gave up their life to save other people. And there's... Hundreds of stories and hundreds of examples of people that have done just what this talks about. Let me tell you about some of them. There's a guy by the name of Arland Williams. You might not know who he is, but on the 13th of January, 1982, Air Flight Florida 90 smashed straight into the ice-covered uh, Potomac River just outside of Washington, D.C. So people are looking on, and there were, um, there were carnage everywhere, if you've If you've seen any movies or TV shows where there's been plane crashes, just imagine that. They've crashed into this icy river. And it looked like everyone on the plane had died because they went into this icy river. But it says that onlookers are watching and six people came to the surface. Six people survived the crash, got out of the plane, however, miraculously, and came to the surface. But although they weren't far from the shore, although they weren't far from where people could see them, it was nearly impossible. They were trying to get out to rescue these six. They were trying to get out with ladders. They were trying to get out with rope, but they just couldn't reach these people. They said that one man actually jumped in and tried to swim out to rescue them, but they had to pull him out because he was near death when he came out himself from trying to rescue these people. Anyway, as the sun's setting, the story goes that a a helicopter came around and a rescue helicopter arrived to winch them out, as the photo shows you. And it says that, you know, as they've, you've seen it, they lower down the rescue thing to rescue them out and they have a rescue boy. And the first person goes down and, and they're pulled up and they're rescued to safety. And the rescue boy goes down and the second person it gets to is Arlen Williams. But Arlen Williams doesn't take the rescue boy. What he does is he gives it to the next person to the person next to him and says here you get up and he sends them up then it comes down again and again it comes to him and again he passes it to the next person and he passes it to every other person to be rescued except when it comes down to him he's disappeared he's gone below the surface he gave up his life so that these five complete strangers that were on this plane with him could be rescued before him even though he had the rescue boy in his hand he had his opportunity to get out He chose to give that to someone else. So he's demonstrating for us what it is to lay down his life for people that he did not even know. Let me tell you about this next guy. He's got the coolest name in the world, Maximilian. I love that name. If we had a fourth child, I think they would be called Maximilian. Probably glad that they don't have a fourth child. Maximilian, let me see his last name correctly, Colby. Colby, not Kobe, Colby and he was a polish priest and during the war he sheltered over 2000 jews from the nazis he was a man who had a german heritage and had actually was given the opportunity to escape poland because of his german heritage and he could have gone and lived in a safer place but he chose to remain in a place of danger not only in a place of danger he chose to rescue and to stand against the army stand against what was going on and to help those that were being persecuted he helped so many thousands of jews and eventually they got onto hold of him and they they arrested him and they put him in a concentration camp and he is known as a man who gave up his life because one day there was an escape And some people escaped from the camp. But as a punishment, they took 10 people to make an example of and said, we're going to make an example of you 10 and you you 10 are going to lose your life right now. And there was a man in that line and he cried out and he said, what about my wife and what about my children? And so Maximilian saw it and he said, I'll take his place. He said, I'll be one of the 10 to stand in that line. And so he stood in the line. And the story goes that the guards let them to swap places and Maximilian was with the 10 who was made an example of and, and lost their life. But the man whose whose place he took, his name, let me get this right, Francisque Jagowenski. I don't even know if I said that right. But that man was spared and that man survived the concentration camp and that man lived until he was 93 years old. And he would not have lived those 93 years if it wasn't for Maximilian who said, you know what, I'm not in that line, but I'll step in that line even though knowing it's going to cost me my life. So he laid down his life. So others could live. What about this example? I found this example interesting. There's a village in England called the village of Eam. Eam? Iam? And it's in the Peak District. And in the summer of 1665, it became affected by the plague. And the plague in that era was basically 100,000 people lost their life in London because of this plague that was making its way through England. That's a lot of people to die. But this, this plague had only been in the south of England and now it came to the north and this was the first example of it being found in the north and basically the plague was nothing they could do about it they didn't have the modern medicine or ways to control plagues and diseases and it basically was, would work through its town and would wipe out like 75 percent of populations that's how devastating this disease was but this village made a decision they made a decision they said we've actually we've got this this plague happening in our village you know what we're going to do We're going to isolate ourselves. We're going to quarantine ourselves. We're not going to let anyone in and we're not going to let anyone out of our village. And they made this decision, even though knowing it would cost them so many of their lives, even though there were people that weren't affected by the plague, they said, no, we're going to stay here in this village. And they say and they reckon that that village doing that stopped the spread of the plague into the north of England. So one village said, we will take the hit. We will sacrifice our lives So that this disease doesn't spread beyond the borders. After 14 months, it says that the disease disappeared as quickly as it arrived. But by then, 260 villages out of the original 350 had lost their life. That's a huge chunk of a town. That means every single person in that village knew someone or related to someone that lost their life so that others could live. It says this, that by many of them who could have escaped death by moving away but didn't. And this selfless act of isolating themselves effectively stopped the spread of the disease to the north of England, saving thousands upon thousands of lives. Today, you can visit that town and there are plaques, signs and memorials all surrounding the village. On the last Sunday of every August, they have a Sunday known as Plague Sunday. Imagine getting people to come along to that service. Who wants to come along to Plague Sunday? That's a good one for your Facebook marketing right there. But on Plague Sunday, they remember the, the hundreds of lives that laid down their lives so that this disease would not spread beyond their village. There's examples all throughout history of people that have done just what Christ says, to lay down your life for someone else. They're pretty incredible stories of sacrifice. And when I read those stories, I don't know what you think about them, but when I read about them, I go, I wonder how I would react I wonder how I would react if I was in that frozen river and a boy came down to me. What would I do in that situation if I was Maximilian? We don't know how we would act. Truth is, none of us know how we would act until we're in the actual situation. When I say that, I think I've got a little bit of an idea, though, on how I would react. Sonny, can you come here? I need your help. Sonny is going to stand in and he's going to pretend. Come on up. Sonny's going to pretend to be Loz. He's going to pretend to be his mum. You don't look like your mum. You look like me. Sorry about that. Loz and I were standing at the end of Newcastle Breakwall one day. We were out looking at the waves. It could have been one of those, you know, titanic moments near afar, start singing, hold each other's arms out like that. But a big wave came along. And this is how... how I reacted and gives me an indication of how I might react if it was a lot more serious of a situation. A big wave came towards us as we were standing there and this is what I did. Got down behind Loz, my wife, my darling, my sweetheart and let her take the brunt of the wave and get saturated while I walked back dry and okay with my hair still all in place. And slept on the lounge for two weeks. You can take a seat, mate. Thank you. You did well. That's maybe how I would react if I was in one of those life and death situations. But the truth of it is is this. We don't know how we would act or react. And the truth is, most of us in this room are never going to be in a situation where we have to put our life on a line like that. Fortunately... Most of us are not going to have to make decisions like Maximilian made or like Arlen made or like that village made about do I lay down my life to look after these people. Fortunately, we're not put in those situations. But what does it mean for us when the scriptures say we are to lay down our life or we are to give up our life for others? What does that look like for you and I if we're not going to be in these life and death situations? I read this by Oswald Chambers. He says this, Jesus does not ask me to die for him, but to lay down my life for him. And there's a difference. He says, it's much easier to die than it is to lay down your life day in and day out. For 33 years, Jesus laid down his life to do the will of his father. See, the thing is, we don't know how we'll respond or react in these historic moments or in these critical moments but every single day of our lives as followers of Christ, we are given this instruction. We are given this call to lay down our life. And what does it mean to lay down your life day in, day out? I believe it's simply what we saw Jesus do, to do the will of his Father. Jesus did the will of his Father when he went to the cross, but he also did the will of his Father when he walked on water, when he turned water into wine, when he rescued the the, per- the prostitute who was being accused of things, He did the will of the Father every day of his life, not just on his death. He did the will of the Father. And Paul the Apostle said it this way for you and I, on what we are to do. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who received his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died And was raised for them. In Philippians he said it this way. To me living means living for Christ. So for Paul living for Christ was the only way to live. It meant no longer living for himself but living for someone else. For Paul it meant giving up or laying down his life meant surrendering his agenda. Surrendering his dreams. Surrendering his goals. Surrendering his purpose. Surrendering everything that his life was about and saying not my will be done God but your will be done. So for all of us as followers of Christ, the call to lay down our life, the call to lay down our life for others is the call to say, God, your will be done. It's the call to say, God, your will first, your plans, your agenda, your purpose, your will for my life. And in 1 John 4, which we read before, verse 9 to 12, it finishes this way. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, then God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. So what's our will? What's our purpose? What is it to lay down our life? It's simply to do what those verses say. To love one another like Christ loved us. To be prepared to lay down our life in sacrifice saying, God, not what I want, but what you want. Help me to love others. And when we love others, we're not only knowing his love, but we're expressing his love and demonstrating his love. And people get to see the difference that that makes. Jesus made it very, very simple for us when he said these words, Mark 12. The most important commandment is this. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. You know, I think humanity has done a great job at complicating these words of Jesus. We, even as Christians, as followers of Christ, have done a great job of complicating it. Religion has done an amazing job at complicating it and making it sound impossible. 2,000 years ago, religion got in the way. And that's why Jesus said, you know, all those other commandments, all those other laws, they can be bowled down to these two. Love God and love your neighbor. And if we're not careful, we can complicate things as well when it comes to religion. We just are reminded, the simple gospel, love God and love your neighbor. I read this great quote this week. It said this, The only clear line I draw these days is this, When my religion tries to come between me and my neighbor, I will choose my neighbor. Because Jesus never commanded me to love my religion. Jesus never commanded us to love our religion, but he did command us to love him and to love our neighbor. And if we can keep it as simple as that, we'll do our best to demonstrate and let the love of God be fully expressed in us and through us. The song that Pip sang earlier as we started tonight said these words. I don't know if you got them, but they were, they were the most powerful words in the song to me. It said these words. It says, Behind that cross that you wear, you're afraid when you look at me. And that's not ain't real love, not the kind from above. So what that's saying is you can wear the cross, you can do the duty of the religion, you can appear to be a Christian, you can appear to be a follower of Christ, but if you're bound up by fear, and if fear or religion or anything else stops you from reaching out and loving like Christ loved, then that ain't real love, not the love that we saw Jesus demonstrate to you and I. The love that would go beyond. The love that would go, you know what, even though it's going to cost me something, even though it's going to hurt me, I'm still prepared to love. I read this Bob Goff quite yesterday, and it's not on my slides, but it, it challenged me deeply. It said this, if I had one last meal, I wouldn't spend it with someone I knew who would betray me. And that's what Jesus did. He had one last meal, and he chose to spend it with someone who he knew would, would betray him. He chose to spend it with people who he knew were going to let him down. But he loved anyway. He loved anyway and he went beyond and said, you know what? I'm not just going to speak about love but I'm going to demonstrate love. And the cross and Easter is a great reminder to all of us of what real love is. Real love casts out all fear. Real love pushes past the obstacles and finds a way to love no matter what. Real love is demonstrated in what Jesus did for you and I. And as we close tonight, as we wrap up our service, my, my, the one thing I want you to remember, or two things, because, yeah, two things, not just one thing, two things, is this. I want you to know what real love is. And that means I want you to know who Jesus Christ is and the love that he has for you. But then secondly, if you're in that group and you're here and you're going, yeah, I know what real love is. I know that Jesus gave up his life for me. Then I want to leave you with a challenge and encouragement. And that is to demonstrate real love. To let his love be brought to full expression within your life. At Easter, we can go through the motions. At Easter, we can do the things that appear to be the things that you do at Easter time. But I want us to come back to what this is all about. Knowing the love of God and then demonstrating the love of God. Loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And loving your neighbor as yourself. It's that simple, but it's also that challenging. Tonight I want the creative team to come back up and join me. When I say join me, take over. (laughs) But I want to finish with a prayer. And I would invite you to join with me in this prayer. It's a twofold prayer to wrap things up. It's that prayer that says, God, I want to know real love. You know, I think this might be the first time you've heard the Easter message. It might be the hundredth time you've heard the Easter message. Wherever you sit in this room, my prayer is that you would know that you would know that Christ loves you beyond measure that you would know real love and you would know Jesus Christ. And then my prayer will be tonight that we would be people that would demonstrate this real love to the people in our world. Let's sing, not let's sing, let's pray, and then we're going to sing to finish. Can you stand? Let's close our eyes. God, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you, thank you, thank you that you laid down your life. You showed us what real love is. You didn't just talk about love, but you demonstrated love when you died on that cross for me. You took away the sin. You took away the consequences of my actions and you took my place. You showed me what real love is and you showed us what real love is. I pray for anyone here tonight that doesn't know who you are, Jesus, or doesn't know what it is to be loved by you. I pray that this Easter they would open up their heart, they would open up their life, and they would invite you in, Jesus, so they can know and taste and see and understand for themselves just how much you love them. God, I pray, Lord, that for those of us in this room that know your love, that know that we are yours, that know that you have called us, that know that you loved us, that know that you paid the ultimate price for us. God, I pray that we wouldn't just be receivers of this great love, but we would be givers as well. God, you'd help us to demonstrate your love to those in our world, to demonstrate to those difficult people in our life, to demonstrate love to those that don't love us, to demonstrate love to those that are going to betray us and those that are going to turn on us. Help us to demonstrate love the way that you loved us. God, we thank you for real love. We thank you that we know what it is because of you. But God, we also thank you that you give us the great example on how to live our life. God, our prayer tonight is simply the the words of that song. Help us to love. Help us to love the way you loved us.